reading from John 15. Jesus said to his disciples, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and you become my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. I do not call you servants any longer because a servant doesn't know what the master is doing, but I have called you friends because I have made known to you everything that I have heard from the Father. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and I appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. I'm giving you these commands so that you may love one another. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Whenever you're reading scripture, or probably it's a good idea if you're reading anything, but anytime you're reading the Bible, it pays to pay attention to your feelings as you read it. To notice how a verse or a chapter or whatever the passage is that you're reading affects you, what it does to you. To notice where in the passage you have positive feelings, you have uh, rest or comfort or peace or, or even joy. But it also pays, and maybe even more especially so, to pay attention to where a passage troubles you, to where you find yourself wrestling with something that is said, to where you find maybe a twinge of fear or guilt or discomfort or even just disagreement. To pay attention to where the text does that to you. And, and the reason I think that it's really important to pay attention to this whenever you're spending time uh, with Scripture, especially if you're reading it as God's Word to you, the way that Holy, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, is because God's Word, the Bible, is not just a, a, a dead historical document. It's not just a collection of good ideas from a couple millennia ago. It is God's Word living and active, and as you read it, it does something to you. Interpreting the Bible, making sense of Scripture, isn't maybe the right way to say it. Maybe it's more that the Bible, Scripture, makes sense of you as you read it. You find yourself being interpreted by someone else, 
rather than you doing all the work. There's a few places in our passage today where I have noticed trouble in myself when I read them. Uh, I probably won't talk about uh, both of them, uh, but the first one that I want to point out, and we'll see if I feel like going to the next one, but the first one that I, that I uh, want to point out is uh, right at the beginning, and it's this pruning. So Jesus says uh, right at the beginning, right as he starts off, you know, I'm the true vine. He says, my father is the vine grower. He removes, this is a kind of pruning, he removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. And then he says, every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it will bear more fruit. As I think about pruning, and the word there is, it's very literally cutting away or cutting, cutting back. We could even say maybe cut clean because it has this cleansing idea in it. The same Greek word kind of covers all of that. I can think of times and, uh, in my life where there has been pruning, where there has been suffering, where things have happened. And at one level, it is okay for me to say, oh yes, God was pruning me there. But then I look at other sufferings, sufferings uh, that others have experienced, even some sufferings in my own life, though I've had a pretty easy life, all told, going so far. And it becomes a little harder for me, or at least a little more uncomfortable for me to say that my father is the vine grower, that my father, that God, is the one doing the pruning, That's my first trouble. I am going to say two. That's my first trouble. My second trouble comes at the end, and it's sort of related, uh, but it comes at the end just a couple lines up from the last. Uh, Jesus says, you did not choose me, I chose you. Uh, And then he says, uh, so that the Father will give you whatever you ask him in my name. And that's a great promise. That's a wonderful promise, that the Father will give you anything that you ask him in my name. And yet, I have had the experience, I don't know if you've had the experience, but I bet you have, of praying for something, praying for somebody that you love, maybe healing and recovery for someone who is struggling that you care for, and even saying, you know, I pray this in Jesus' name, putting those magic words there on the end, and then it doesn't happen. They're not healed, at least not in a way that you can see. I'm troubled by this promise because I can, I've experienced times when it at least feels like this promise isn't true. I don't know if you've noticed this in the news, but for the past few weeks since the Parkland, Florida shooting, uh, there has been this um, ridiculing or mocking of the ideas of thoughts and prayers. I don't know if you've noticed this in the news or social media. Uh, and, and to some extent, there's, there's something true about the ridicule, because there's a way in which we can uh, excuse ourselves from doing anything by offering thoughts and prayers. There's a way in which sometimes when we're presented with a problem uh, that we have the means to uh, address, our neighbor is in need in some way, but it would be uncomfortable, we say, well, my my prayers are with you, or my thoughts are with you. So there's a way in which we can excuse it, Uh, and, and there's a way in which this critique is good. However, there's this other current, which is essentially that prayer is useless, right? We're seeing this in the culture. I've seen uh, lots of of things being said that that prayer is essentially useless, that underneath this critique of thoughts and prayers is this understanding that prayer doesn't do anything anyways, that God probably isn't listening if God is even there, or that God doesn't particularly care about our prayers. 
That's my second trouble. As I was wondering about why these things trouble me, the idea of God doing some pruning, especially pruning that is uh, very difficult, and the idea of uh, God, of Jesus promising that anything we ask in his name will be fulfilled, and then God seeming to say no sometimes. At their root, these troubles both have, I think, the same root, and it's that I can't quite trust God like I should. If God is truly the pruner, if God is truly, if not doing all the pruning, then uh, limiting the forces of, of evil that are working on us and uh, turning them against their will so that they work for our good, so that it is a pruning and not a tearing down completely, that should be a source of comfort. And if I trust and when I trust God, that God is indeed looking for my good, not just in this life but in the next as well, it is a source of comfort. But on the other hand, when I don't trust God, when I really think that I would do a better job pruning for myself, or I would be able to make some better decisions about when to answer my prayers and when not to, well, then I find this idea of God being so actively involved in all of this, it really makes me afraid. It really makes me fear. Maybe you can relate to some of this. As you can probably tell, I'm not settled here. Maybe that's the point. Maybe this is what the Holy Spirit's doing with me right now. But I'm not settled here. But I do think there is something to trusting that God has a longer view. There was actually in our table discussion that came up, that things that felt like bad things at the time, and were bad things, we won't even call them good things, they were bad things when they happened a few years after the fact, looking back, we can see good that came out of it. And if we trust that Jesus has indeed chosen us, as he says near the end of this passage, you did not choose me, but I chose you. And if we trust that God the Father really does have our best interests at heart and that we really are part of this vineyard that God is tending and has planted and is protecting, and yes, pruning, and that pruning must not feel good to the plant, then we get a different picture in hindsight. And maybe when we're in the middle of it, that can help us, but it feels somewhat incomplete. So where I'm turning to is seeing where Jesus is about to go. This sermon that Jesus is giving is not on its own. It's not uh, just uh, here you are and now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave for a while. This is while Jesus is on his way to the garden where he is going to be arrested. Jesus is about to go to the cross. He's uh, hours away from being arrested. He's hours away from his own death, less than a day away. And he's doing all of that because he cares for the branches, the branches who have been placed in him, the branches whom the Father tends. And even if I don't know why God lets certain things happen or why God doesn't answer some prayers but seems to answer others, I can at least trust that God didn't stay away enough that God was afraid to go through it as well. Because God has indeed come into the world and he suffered the worst that we could throw at him and he took the death and our sin and everything we had into himself and he overcame it. And three days later, he rose from the dead and he has come back and he has given us forgiveness and grace. He has chosen us so that we may abide, rest in him. Amen.